the roll and go. Where am I to go, meet Johnny? Where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go? Hello, and thank you for joining us here at Where Am I To Go podcast. Before we start our show today, there's a couple things I would like to bring to your attention. First of all, we have a Facebook page where we post lots of pictures of places we've been and things that we've done, and also other little things that people might be interested in knowing. We also have an email address at whereamitogopodcast at gmail.com. If anybody has any ideas, suggestions, or thoughts about our program, please let us know. I'm more than interested in hearing comments, feedback, and that type of stuff, and it will also help to make a better show. And lastly, we are on Patreon. If anybody's interested in joining us there and helping us along with our adventures, we would be more than happy to have your assistance. Now... Thanks again for joining us today, and let's get on with the show. Today, I happen to be in Tucumcari, New Mexico, and I am at the Route 66 Museum. I am here with David, and I am here with Ken. And we are going to take a trip down memory lane on Route 66. But before we do, I want to talk a little bit about Tucumcari and and the guys I'm here with. Uh, today when I pulled on into Tucumcari, the first thing that caught my eye was murals. You guys have somebody in town or somebody's in town that love to paint murals. And you have murals on, all, on a lot of your buildings. It's really cool, some of the murals. Uh, you've got scenery murals, you've got people murals, you've got all kinds of stuff. Tell me a little bit about that, David. All right, yeah, certainly. So many of the murals that you see... Um, <clears throat> Oh gosh, what's the guy's name? Quarles. Uh, uh, Douglas, Doug Quarles, yeah. Doug and Linda Quarles. They were in town. They painted a lot of them, but they didn't paint all of them. And not only uh, are there a lot of murals that you've seen, several of the murals are actually painted on the inside of some of these buildings too. Oh really? So yes, yes. Yes. Um, like the whole inside is a is a like panoramic type mural, or are they just murals on the walls? Well, one of the larger interior paintings that I know of is at the Pow Wow restaurant here in town, um, and there's a they've got the Lizard Lounge, and they have the beach scene with alligators, and <laughs> oh really? <laughs> it's it's an interesting mural there, and uh, some of the some of the booths have life-size paintings of people who are in Tucumcari sitting at those booths on the wall, right? Now, and I they're very realistic. Now, I that I needed to come see that particular restaurant. They, they said, if you're going to Tucumcari, you need to go to that restaurant. What was the name of the restaurant? The Pow Wow. The Pow Wow. Yes. And they said, make sure and go in there. But I oh, don't yeah. know that I'm going to have time to be able to do that today. I think I'm going to have to make another trip to Tucumcari just to do an art stroll and take a look at all these uh, murals and and possibly go inside several of these buildings. Yes. But I'm on a bit of a time crunch today, <laughs> so well, not Bruce, a bad Bruce Wall, another one that has murals in the garages. Oh, really? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. And not all of those were painted by Quarles either. Many of those were actually painted by uh, some other people. Emily Pretty is a lady who is here in town, and she's painted a few of the murals that you'll see as well. 
Well, it's just it's just amazing to see that when when you're coming into town. Now, you run, David. You run the Roadrunner Lodge Motel. That's correct. Okay, and and so you're in the motel business, and of course, COVID's been ravaging the country for the last eight months or so. How has that affected your business? Well, it's been up and down. It's kind of interesting when the, um, I think, actually it has driven some more people to find places like mine. Um, So when the restrictions go into place and say they're not allowed to sell more than so many rooms, uh, when the Best Western fills up or the Holiday Inn Express fills up to their limit, uh, people have to find other places to go, and they start looking for places that they wouldn't normally look for. And um, <clears throat> so my business has actually been fairly steady uh, this year. I'm, I've been pleasantly surprised. I mean, I took a huge hit in the March-April time frame, but then, you know, it kind of leveled off. Uh, and I am seeing now, of course, our just our natural seasonal flow of business is slowing down because, it's, well, it's just that time of year. Now, do you guys get a big tourist uh, setup coming? Oh, yes. Let's say you know uh, November, December, because of the weather and mm. snowbirds. Or are you guys mostly tourists for uh, uh, summertime? The tourism season starts in the February, March, April time frame. Okay. And uh, continues through October, a little bit into November. Um, we do get snowbird activity that kind of starts off in October and then trickles all the way into about February. April 1st is what I like to call the running of the RVs because that's when everybody's going, the going back way. the other way. Yes, okay. uh, for the most part. I mean, we still have snowbird traffic that trickles on either side of April 1st, but yes, April 1st is the running of the RVs. Okay. And, and another thing that, that I'm kind of curious about, I've always kind of thought that the motel business would be kind of an interesting business, but the thing that's always kind of held me back is it, it would be so time-consumptive. I mean, you've got people coming in at midnight wanting a room, and you've got people coming in at 6 o'clock to turn in their keys or whatever. Do you ever get any sleep? I do. I have my operation set up so that People can check in with me without looking at me. They can check in over the phone, um, and they can check out just by dropping off their key in the key drop before they leave. So it's very convenient. Um, <clears throat> when things are normal, we have our, our coffee station available in the lobby um, <clears throat> during our lobby hours in the morning, between 7 and 10 in the morning. And in the evenings, we're actually only open from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m., and we just tell our guests, give us a call while you're traveling to us. We check you in over the phone. Cool. Well, that um, works out really good. But you're a mom-and-pop type uh, operation. I am. And so you, how many rooms do you have? It looked like when I drove by, it looked like you had probably 35 rooms. Uh, I actually own two properties that butt up to each other, right? Uh-huh. So one property, I have not started the renovation work on at all. In total, I have 47 rooms. Okay. But only twenty of which I have completed renovation work on. Okay. And we're we're doing upscale sixties. So our place, the side that we've started the renovation work and completed several of the rooms on, was built in nineteen sixty four. Originally as Leatherwood Manor, uh, Agnes Leatherwood came in and and put that place up. <clears throat> Before she had the place, it was a gas station and an empty lot, and she built hers. Uh, 
her hotel up in front of the La Plaza sign, which is the other property that I own okay. as well. Um, anyway, I'm sure she made friends when she put her two-story building in front of the La Plaza's one-story tall neon sign. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, and, and another curiosity point, just, just for me. I, I know we're supposed to be talking about Route 66, but I'm getting rabbit holed down the motel deal here. Uh, watch me forget exactly what I was going to ask you. All right. <laughs> oh, what, is, what are the advantages to people as far as staying in the mom-and-pop type motel situation versus the Motel 6 or the Hampton Inn or these big, these big nationwide chains that, that always look so nice, so grand, and some of that. I, I know that there's a lot of the mom and pops that are still operating. What do you offer that, that makes that more intriguing than, than the big store? Right, right. So, uh, first of all, I'll mention the fact that in Tucumcari, you're spoiled for choice. Uh, as far as vintage properties to go to. So there is Roadrunner Lodge Motel, there's also the Blue Swallow Motel, and uh, Motel Safari, and Historic Route 66. Vintage places all within about a eight block uh, distance of each other. Uh, what we offer that you don't get is, first of all, the personalized service, right? We'll have a conversation with you. We have, uh, several of us have fire pits, uh, several of us have you know, an outdoor ambiance that you won't get at, at the um, Holiday Inn Express or the right. Hampton Inn, yes. So <clears throat> the, the opportunities for meeting people who are also traveling, who are interested in Route 66, who are, uh, <clears throat> you know, during a normal year, we actually see, I see about 30% of my business through the summer is from international travel. So wow. you have an opportunity to meet people from all over the world um, and find out why the, why the heck are they doing this trip? What have they seen along the way? You get to hear a lot of stuff that you wouldn't get in that sterile uh, chain experience, right? Okay. Um, something that, that's happened to me. I grew up here. I grew up. Route 66 has always been there. Right. You know, we cruised Route 66 in high school. Route 66 is nothing special to me, or it wasn't. I started volunteering here at this museum, and I started seeing all these European travelers, I mean, from all over the world, coming to the United States just to see Route 66. And wow. I'm thinking, wow, this is kind of special. So it, it, it made, made it more special to me. It opened my eyes is what it did. Well, something else I noticed as I was driving through town, too, is you still have a lot of the old buildings, uh, I'm sure they were motels, gas stations, and some of that that have been not not razzed or, or tore down or anything. They're not definitely in a state of disrepair. I see a lot of, of restoration work that could happen here, but those buildings still exist, whereas I think in a lot of other parts of the nation, that has all been wiped out. So you can see actual Route 66 things here in Tucumcari. You can, absolutely. And... I think that for the most part, things age well here. The dry climate, you know, doesn't doesn't tear down buildings as quickly as it as it would in you know a much more uh, humid atmosphere. And I also noticed driving through here, there's a such a wide variety of uh, architecture, you know, from the old adobe to houses that look like you know wood sided houses built in the 1920s or 30s. 
or something like that. It just seems like there's such a, a diversity of, of architecture and, and structures to look at. And I thought that that was kind of an interesting part of this town, too. Well, we're a railroad town. We, oh, wouldn't, we wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the railroad. Okay. I mean, Route 66 and all that came later, but this is a railroad town. Okay. My grandfather, my father. It's railroad. railroad. Yep, 1901, this was Ragtown. Um, and it got the name Tucumcari, I believe, in 1905, was it? I'm not sure about the dates. But okay. Yeah. And why, well, why Tucumcari? Well, it was named after the mountain. Okay. So the mountain was here first and had its name. And there are a few different legends about how the mountain got its name. Um, one of them, which seems most likely, is that it was an Apache word. The Apache were in this area, pretty widespread actually, um, an Apache word that means a place to lie in wait, as in to ambush. Okay. Right? But then there's also the tale of uh, Tokum and Carey. Yeah, Can you tell yeah. that one? Prince Tokum and Prince, Princess Carey. Why? Or did I put you on the spot? You put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's very much kind of a Romeo and Juliet kind of story where okay. these two young Indian lovers, right, um, <clears throat> they fell in love with one another, uh, but Prince, Princess Carrie was given to another, and there was a, uh, you know, they went to the mountain, <clears throat> um, there was a an altercation between um, Tokum and whatever his name, whatever was. the other guy's name <laughs> yeah. was, <clears throat> and Tokum died. Carrie sees this; she takes her own life. The chief sees the two dead youngsters and cries out, "Tokum, Carrie!" and named the mountain. Okay. There are other very there are other variations of the story, and I'm not the best storyteller, as you can tell. But <laughs> that's uh, pretty much sums it up. <laughs> pretty much fits it right there. Yeah, that's the legend of Tucumcari. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and start with Route 66. I've always been highly intrigued with Route 66, and I'm sure that as we go through here, you're going to see my ignorance shine through. But uh, from what I understand, it, it was the main highway from Chicago to Los Angeles. Am, am I right there? That is correct. It, uh, it was commissioned in 1926. And, um, yeah, matter of fact, hang out for six more years, and we'll be celebrating the 100th anniversary of Route 66. Do they have big plans here for that? Uh, we're in the process of developing those. There are many towns along Route 66 that plan on throwing a big bash for the 100th anniversary. So if we're going to go back and cruise Route 66, that's when it would be. Six more years, 1926. Yes, we'll have... We'll 2026. Have 2026, yes. The other... Yeah. <laughs> and, and when did they decommission Route 66? I believe it was 85, was it? No, uh, they bypassed us in 81. Right. So the bypass went in in Tucumcari in 1981, right. but then they decommissioned Route 66. So he's talking about the highway I-40. Okay. I-40 bypassed Route 66 in 1981, and I believe it was in 85 that Route 66 was decommissioned as a uh, as that highway system. Highway. Yes. But there's still lots of different places that you can pick up. I know that I oh, went wow. through Oatman, uh, Arizona, and I was on Route 66 for a little while, and I know that there's signs all going all the way through Albuquerque. 
and well, you know different places that I've that I've been. I've managed to be on little spurts of it. Yes. Is, yes. is there still is there still most of it intact, or is or is a lot of it about eighty five percent is still there? Yes, you can still travel on about eighty five percent of original alignments of Route sixty six. There are many. Uh, <clears throat> matter of fact, in Albuquerque, there's an intersection where old sixty six crosses older sixty six. Oh, really? So, <laughs> So, and okay. it's the only place on the route where that happens. They're, they didn't have any other alignments like that. And it went up to Santa Fe at one point. It did. Oh, did it? It yes. did. The okay. pre-1936 route took you through Santa Fe, down through Albuquerque to Los Lunas before it headed west again. And later, after 1936, the route took you straight across, cut out Santa Fe entirely, which is kind of interesting because, you know, that's the state capital. Right. <laughs> Went through oh. through Albuquerque, cut off Los Lunas as well, and uh, and picked up through Gallup and okay. along the way there. Cool. That's that's really neat. Now, no, most people that uh, that travel Route 66, because I know that there's a lot of people that that still make that trek just because of the uh, historical value or or scenic value or whatever of Route 66. Do you find a lot of them coming through? Are traveling in their classic cars, or most people just take their 2012 or 2020 Chevrolet pickup and go for the ride? I would say they mostly take a modern vehicle, but there are those that do use the the antiques. I've seen I've seen several of them. Too, yes, yeah. We that's see. something else I noticed when I was driving around through this town. You guys have antique vehicles all over the place. I mean, states of disrepair to beautifully restored. In fact, you've got a Rambler sitting out in front of your uh, motel. I sure do. That's pretty nice. Well, isn't this Ford years? Yep, the Ford oh. Galaxy is mine as well. Yes. Really? And what's, what year is that? That's 63. a 63. Yeah. Well, see, all the vehicles in here belong to somebody. Most of them local. Okay. Well, that's really cool. So your museum is, is, is a nice garage for the locals. <laughs> Great <laughs> place. It empties when you have a car show in town. Uh, sometimes we move things around. It depends on the nature of a show. Okay. I didn't know if, if, you know, like our little local car show, everybody runs and grabs their cars from wherever they happen to be parked, and you're looking around going, I didn't know all this stuff even existed in this town. But yeah. Well, it's 55 back here in the corner. That's a guy's daily driver. I mean, he uses that car. Okay. You know, but in the wintertime, he puts it in here. Well... He left it in here all summer because this was kind of a different year. Right. So that's what he does with that one. If you go and look at it, usually you'll see the dings on it and the scratch. He uses it. Well, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's know. nice to see the beautifully restored ones also, but at the same time, it, it, it always makes me happy to see a daily driver, whatever it happens to be, going down the road and, and being able to see them out and about. Well, let's get started with the museum. And let's, let's let's take a look at what all you've got here and give people a good idea of uh, of the museum, kind of how you guys got started, how it's uh, maybe funded. Uh, you said most people or, or most of the cars in here are owned by somebody and some of that. So uh, let's just kind of start covering some of what you've got here and get people an idea of why they would want to come. Well, the photograph collection we've got. It's one of the largest, I think it is the largest on Route 66 of different points along Route 66. Okay. It, starts in, it starts in Chicago, and it kind of in order, and it goes all the way to Santa Monica. Wow. 
And they've got very nice pictures on these walls. How many pictures are there? Are we just going to guess? Oh, gosh. I should know that, but I can't really keep forgetting. <laughs> I, Let's go with 150. I, yeah, I think it and was 166. All, all it's 160 something. I think it's 166. 166. And they're all framed very nicely, all in uniform frames. The frames are all two, two by three or 18 by 24 or something like that. And there's pictures, like you said, starting in Chicago, going all the way around. You see a lot of the old uh, motels old cars, gas stations, just lots of uh, different sites, uh, what I guess you would call landmarks. And these pictures are all professional photographed. Uh, it was one photographer in charge? It was one artist that did all these. One artist. And there are some really cool pictures, some neat things to see. There's, a, there's one picture that is kind of interesting here. It's got a whale in a pond. Yeah, that, that's, that's a famous attraction. And what, and what was it, a restaurant? Or a no, it's just an attraction, a swimming hole in, in uh, Katusa, that's, Oklahoma. Yes, in that's, Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. I hear a lot of people say, hey, I've been there. <laughs> and yes. it, so it's still there. It's still there. It's still wow. there. Yeah, that's a place you should probably do your podcast on also, the Blue Whale of Katusa. There's a story behind that that uh, I don't know if you'd want me to tell them. Tell or, it. And, let and, them tell it. Well, okay. and if I get there, then I'll have them tell it. But let's go ahead while we're talking about Route 66 and just put it on there. Certainly. The gentleman who owned that land um, actually built that for his wife. So, yes. She was a swimmer? Or? And it was, it, was a, it's a, it was a swimming hole. Uh, they no longer allow swimming. Okay. People go fishing in there now, uh, but they don't really get in the water. Why, I don't know. I'm sure that they can tell you at the Blue Whale. Um, <clears throat> but it's a neat little attraction. There's a little gift shop there. And uh, they, smell, sell, uh, they sell snow cones and stuff nearby. Okay. Um, there used to be a rattlesnake pit attraction in that area, too. So it was a little roadside thing that, you know, huh. <laughs> it was quite a, quite a deal in its time. They still maintain the Blue Whale itself. Uh, but you can see in this photograph somebody sitting on the slide. Yep. Yeah, they're not going in. That's that slide's not actually functional anymore. Okay. But the whale looks like it had a diving platform off the tail and the slide coming out the side and a ladder, ladder to be to able up. to get back up in. And yeah, that's. I'm gonna have to go there. In fact, I'm looking at a lot of these pictures from the Oklahoma route and thinking that I really need to take a trip through Oklahoma. There's. A lot of neat things. He's got a picture of uh, a station that has a lot of collectibles outside. It says uh, Mima's collectibles and junk. You've got what looks like an old radio station. No, it's a cafe. The U Drop In. The U Drop In Cafe. Fighting Tigers. That must be a school wall or something. Yeah, the, yeah. the U-Drop-In today is a museum. Is it a museum? Yes. And what kind of a museum? Do you know? Uh, it's just a Route 66 attraction. Okay. So you'll find some artifacts inside it. It's a gift shop and museum, so um, you'll find a lot of things that, that uh, you may not find in other parts of Route 66, but <clears throat> they've redone the neon there at the U-Drop-In. It looks beautiful at night, especially if you can catch it after a rainstorm. Okay. It's in Shamrock, isn't it? It is in Shamrock, Shamrock, Texas. Okay. Only three hours from here. The U-Drops in Shamrock, Texas? 
Yes. Okay. I was going to say, I was looking and everything said Oklahoma, and so I thought this was your Oklahoma wall. <laughs> well, when I say it's kind of in order. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got a 1970 Yamaha dirt track racer as you come through the door. That must be one of the locals' uh, old dirt bikes. or Yeah, he, uh, he restored this bike, found it in the shed and restored it. This guy here, Mickey McMurphy, who this belongs to, and he was... When he was younger, he did a lot of dirt track racing. Okay. And he grew up here in Cooper. His dad had a, one of the Route 66 gas stations. Okay. That's something else I find interesting, driving through, you know, a lot of these states, like uh, New Mexico. You go through a lot of these old towns, and there was 15 gas stations. You know, I think, I think the town I'm thinking of is Vaughn. Uh, <clears throat> you, you go into Vaughn, there's one gas station now that's a great big corporate type gas station but as you're driving through there's like six or seven other gas stations on each side of the road and and gas must have been a big deal back in the day i mean we we still need it but every <laughs> every town had had multiple gas stations yes. yes yeah well the range on the vehicles wasn't quite what you get today right so yes uh, the fuel stops and the you know the highway speeds were not what you see today, well, they weren't even highways, right? Two-lane, right. two-lane dirt, possibly. So, uh, yeah, many. And those old, those old stations were service stations. Right. They were. They weren't gas stations. You pulled in, you got your oil checked, you got your tires uh, checked, you got everything, made sure that your car was going to make it to the next town, which was 30, 40 miles away. You didn't pump your own gas. Right. You still don't in Oregon. Yeah, I know. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure what the deal is there, but we won't go down that route. And then you've got a nice display case with some old oil containers, some old license plates, some uh, of the uh, scale cars that uh, are built to, to scale, some antiques. And uh, is that light a, a road light? No, it's an early headlamp uh, off of... What, probably a Model T? That's what it looks like. And then you've got the old gas pumps. Now, these old gas pumps are really kind of cool. You see them every once in a while in movies and stuff where they're a really tall pump that has a glass globe on the top. And how did those work? This lever here, you pumped. You pumped how much fuel you wanted up into here. Okay, now there's now there's a gauge on the on the glass that has numbers of gallons. Right. And so you you work the hand pump like you would a, a hand water pump, and it brings the gas up into the globe. Right. And then you can see how many gallons you were going to get, and then you bring the gas spout on around, and when you pull the handle, it gravity flows right. from the top. Right. That's how it worked. And of course, an attendant did that. You didn't do it. Right. You know, somebody did that for you. So you didn't have to actually do any of the hand pumping. No, no. Somebody somebody that worked at the service station did that. And yeah. then as we move on, this here was probably in use till when? 1930 maybe? Hard to say. I don't really know. Okay. And then they went to the Before my time, that's for sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then they went to the to the pumps that uh I don't even know how to describe what this looks like. It stands about five foot tall and it's just like the old gas pumps that you see from the 60s, 50s on the old movies. 
and those had a pump inside of it to where you didn't have to hand pump it and right. went directly out the tube to where it didn't need to be gravity flow into the gas tank. Right. right. And they've got Fire Chief Gasoline Texaco uh, uh, lit up globe on that. And from what I understand, those globes are really collector uh, items of high value. Yeah. See, this is a reproduction here. Oh, be that one's a Because they're so difficult to find. Right. Yeah. It makes a good target. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bet there's some people wishing they hadn't used them for targets. I'll bet there are. Yeah. And then you've got some actual Route 66 signs. And oh, there you the can plaza. see. Yeah, okay. You can see the uh, the gas station and the empty lot that Roadrunner Lodge sits on today. And yes, the former La Plaza court before the building was put in front of it. And there's even a picture of David and his wife standing in front of the Roadrunner. Yes. <laughs> uh -oh. uh, I think there's more to that story than I thought. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we need a new picture. We, we need, need a, a new picture. We need a, we need a new picture. <laughs> yes. Amanda was actually the one who had the dream to find a business on Route 66 and restore it. Um, <clears throat> so I have to give her all sorts of credit for really coming up with the concept and building out our interiors. So okay. she's, she's, she did a fabulous job getting that place to where it was, is today. Well, cool. Sorry it didn't work out, but yes. Oh, 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 let's back up here a little way. We got a guitar in a case. What's the story with the guitar? The guitar is electric and it says Route 66 on it. Um, so that is a <clears throat> that was designed to be a giveaway, um, and that's that, a fundraiser for the. Yes, uh, well, Jess McIntyre, not for the museum actually. Jess McIntyre, the man on a mission, right? He sold his music and he uh, was entering people into a contest to win this guitar. Um, <clears throat> the person who ultimately won it gave him the guitar. So he spent a few years marketing that. He's, he simply wanted to uh, promote Route 66. Now, are his songs Route 66 oriented, or does he... Well, um, <clears throat> actually, they're more... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I haven't actually listened to his CD, but... Uh, I was wondering if they <clears throat> were car related or they're they're travel related. Travel yes, related. so we can see America's Main Street. It's a '66 day, uh, America's Highway. You can't get your kicks on Route 66. <laughs> uh -oh. And this is Jess McIntyre, "Man on a Mission," is the name of the album. I guess uh, you can go look him up on YouTube. I'm sure he's got some of his stuff uh, there. Everybody seems to have everything on YouTube. And uh, oh yeah, he's a he's a great guy, and yes, he he's definitely all about promoting Route 66. It was something, if I if memory serves me correctly, it was something that his mother said um, <clears throat> he wanted him to do before she passed, okay. and so that became something that he carried. He carried that banner. Cool, and this guitar is pretty cool looking. It's it's white. Uh, yeah, it has the shield, shield design. Shield with the Route 66 on it, and it's it's cool-looking little guitar. Signed by Loretta Lynn. Signed by Loretta Lynn. 
Well, now that gives it some real uh, value there. A little more oomph, yeah. Yes, yeah. it does. If Loretta's listening to his stuff. <laughs> signed a guitar anyway, right? The signed a guitar. <laughs> okay, right now what I'd like to do is take a minute and uh, have a sponsor break so that uh, our sponsor can come on in here and, and tell us a little bit about what they have. And we'll go on from there. Okay, welcome back. <laughs> that was quick. It was quick. <laughs> okay, now we're, we're coming into the back part of the museum here. Again, you still have all of your, your pictures up on the wall. But we're coming back into where you've got a really nice car collection. What have you got in here? Probably 25 cars? Maybe 30? Somewhere in that range. I and think the lower that, side of that, yes. And you said all of these are, are owned by locals who, who have them on display. You start off here in the, at the very beginning with a 1976 Corvette. It's white, red interior, very nice-looking car. And then you move on back to a 69 Shelby Cobra GT500. And this one looks to be in the state of restoration. Yeah, I think it's going to be a beautiful car when it gets done. Is there anything you'd like to say about either one of these cars? I want to see it put together. Well, I, I would love to see it put together too. <laughs> and take it for a drive. <laughs> uh, I've, seen the, I've seen the engine that goes in it. Okay. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's beautiful. And, and do they have a projected uh, restoration date on this or... Not that I know of. Okay. I know of. It's it looks like they've got the interior going pretty good. The paint is, is really nice. Uh, it needs the front end put on it, the engine put in it, the seats need to be put in. But it looks like they've got a really good start on, on this project. I think the restoration is pretty much done except for putting it all back together. It still has some assembly. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Then we've got a... Mustang, kind of a baby blue. It's a 65. 65 Mustang. And this one here is uh, owned by Tracy Johnson. Anything particular about this car? Well, you know, Tracy is one of our volunteers at the museum occasionally. So she comes in and volunteers. Okay. And... Uh, her and her husband, they just recently moved to Tucumcari, and Tracy's been real active with the, she. She's the one that got the Tucumcari talking tour started. Okay, tell me about the Tucumcari talking tour, because I haven't heard this one yet. Well, this is, uh, we've got one here. It's a, a radio transmitter that tells a little story about different places here in Tucumcari. We've got 16 of them in town, and uh, it's on a loop. So you just pull up, you tune your radio to 1640 a.m., and uh, you can sit there and listen to a little story about each location here in Tootencary. Okay. Well, that's really cool. It is pretty cool. I mean, and where do you pick those up at? The Chamber of Commerce or...? Oh, yeah, we have some mural, or actually talking tour maps here that shows you the different locations. Okay. He's got one. You've got one. Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Several places. Many of the attractions, well, like you said, was it 16? I believe it's 16, yeah. We have the, of course, the Blue Swallow, the Teepee. Just... It's so, a, it's a neat little project. That one is designed to encourage donations to restore more neon in Tucumcari. 
Okay, now I have not been here at night. Do you guys have a lot of neon here still? We have a few places with some really spectacular neon. From Route 66 or more modern day stuff? Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking like neon neon. Yes, so it's not the LED stuff. It's, okay. It's stuff. genuine neon, like some of the stuff you see here in the museum. We have some restored signs. Uh, several of these signs have been restored with the with funding from the um, McMullen Foundation, right? That's the name? Mm -hmm. Yes, the McMullen Foundation um, provided the, the funding to to get these done. Uh, sourcing the signs has always been an interesting thing because um, <clears throat> there are people who collect these and sometimes we don't get to them quickly enough and uh, we lose a sign to who knows where. Right. Uh, but we have three neon signs on display here. The first one that we that we restored actually was the Tucumcari Motel sign. Um, that was actually not directly on Route 66, uh, but it was, well, it's a classic looking sign, right? It is. It's got, I mean, it's got yellow Tucumcari and then it's got a blue motel and a red vacancy sign underneath it. Yes. And I guess they just turned the sign off when there was no vacancy because there isn't a no that you can light up. Right. They, they would have. They would have just turned off the vacancy bit. Yes. Okay. And then the other one you have is a Western Auto store. Yes, that one was actually restored by John Duggar, and yeah, we can see a picture of it. Okay. Uh, here off of Main Street in Tucumcari, back when it was actually in service. And there's a real good chance that Main Street was at one time Route 66. Okay. And then they changed, and then they changed the route. Yeah, because they've done that all over. I mean, they, right. it was here, yeah. and now it's over here. But uh, we have somebody, our Main Street director, Connie Loveland. She is trying to document the fact that it was Route 66. Okay. And this so is once, kind of a neat old picture. It's, this had to have been taken in probably what 63. You've got 64. 64. Yeah, there's a what yeah, a 56. You've got a 56. Chevy pickup, you got a 63 Chevy pickup, you got a 55 Chevy car driving down the road, and I don't know what that car is in the back. Looks like a Pontiac, but I... It does, uh, but I'm not sure, I guess I'm not knowledgeable enough on what that car is. <laughs> so, and then we've got a 66 Mustang, 65 Mustang, a 55 Bel Air. And most of these cars are in awesome shape. The 56, I like just the way it is. It's got a little bit of rust and, and looks like it's the patina look. And it, and it looks really nice. Holy smokes, what is this bicycle back here? I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Somebody spent a lot of time on that bicycle. Somebody spent a lot of time on that bicycle. We've got a bicycle that's got the banana seat. But the chrome work is twisted metal, and the spokes are gold. It's got some interesting-looking forks. And In fact, if rider. you want to see a picture of what this bicycle looks like, go to my Facebook page, Where Am I to Go? I will post a picture of this because it's indescribable. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting. It doesn't look terribly rideable. 
<laughs> yeah, somebody's having a low rider. Very, very low rider. The seat's yes. way down, but uh, I think the pedals would hit the ground. Yes, the it, actually, the pedal does, but yeah. the back tire's not inflated. You may have had a sixteenth of an inch. You may, have just <laughs> you may not have enough. wanted to turn, but it is it is an interesting looking looking bicycle. Look at this, nineteen fifteen Buick, original. It is original. The seats are original. Are they the really? top's original. I was going to say, it's in, it's in beautiful shape. I mean, it's not restored. Not restored. But it is a beautiful car. And it runs. Does it run? And All the, these, tires, the, the tires are even cool. All these run. Okay, and you got a 1931 Ford. Yeah, this is in really good shape. It I mean, is. But it's been restored. I mean, And it's a, even for sale. Yes, it is. If anybody's looking for a for sale 1931 Ford two-door with a rumble seat. It's got the rumble seat. And it looks like maybe the interior on this has been redone. Do you think it's been repainted? It, the paint looks really good. That's, that's hard to say. I, I would think it's been repainted. But and it must I have had know. a radiator problem at one time. It's got a canvas camel, camelback water oh, uh, bag. Everybody took one of those on Route 66 back in the day. Okay. I remember as a kid having one of those hanging on the, the mirror. Really? Okay, this yes. one's hanging off the hood ornament down yeah. in front of the radiator, which might have affected uh, cooling a little bit. But yeah. I think they just put that there so we could see it. That's it's yeah, and uh, that is really really neat. Now they carried those for extra water because they boiled over so often in the heat. That was for drinking. That was for drinking. Yeah, you filled it full of water and you, you soaked it. Got the bag you know, soaking wet and you hung it and evaporate evaporation cooled your water so you had cool water to drink. And I'm sure it ended up in radiators a lot of times, too. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I never thought about the, the canvas uh, allowing the cooling to happen. That's, that's really kind of a neat idea. Well, see, and they also had these little evaporative coolers. They were about so big, and they were round, and you put them in your window and rolled yeah. the window up on them. I remember having those when I was a kid. And I've seen those in several car sh uh, uh, shows and, and uh, car museums that I've been to. And some of that kind of stuff. You can buy them on eBay, and they, they're not giving them away. I'll bet not. <laughs> I, I, I have to wonder how many windows actually broke because of the weight of those things and going down bumpy roads and some of that kind of stuff. But well, see, back then, happens. the windows were safety glass. They weren't this tempered glass. Okay. They were, you know, the, the laminated glass with the plastic in the middle. Right. You know, the tempered glass came, I don't know when it came, but it came later. So most of your windows were the laminated. So they were, you know, they were pretty thick. Cool. Then you've got a 1929 Ford Model A. It's is it a four door or it's just got the longer back? Yeah, it's a four door. It's a four door. Yep, and it had suicide doors on it. And for those who don't know what a suicide door is, the door opens backwards of the way that you normally think a door should open up. So when you're driving down the road and you go to shut your door again, you end up flying out because the door gets taken off by the wind. So anyway, just something to think about. Then you've got a really nice 55 Chevy here. You've got pictures of it before it was restored. Man, it looks like it was uh, it, it was kind of in major disrepair here. But it sure looks pretty now. And this, and this car, is the one that you said was a daily driver. Yeah, the guy, the guy uses it. It's got an air conditioning. Oh, really? Yeah. Aftermarket. Aftermarket, but it's, it's done so that it, it doesn't look aftermarket. Right. Oh, that's a, it's a beautiful car. It is. It's, it's really a gorgeous car. Then you've got a 36 Chevy half-ton fuel truck. 
And it's it's beautiful too. The fuel Thanks truck so. and the mail truck belong to somebody in Missouri. I can't remember the guy's name, but he he leaves them here. That is just way cool. It's probably on the front, yeah. And this is a and the, and the mail truck is painted up kind of a what would you say? Kind of a gray green color. Olive drab. Olive drab. <laughs> but it is it, it, again, it's been beautifully restored. Uh, it has mail bags in the back and speed your letters and parcels by air mail on the side, U.S. mail. It is a beautiful, beautiful truck. John Butner's the guy's name that owns these. these. John Butner yes. owns these two trucks. Okay. Wow. And he did a beautiful job with this Chevy. This Chevy fuel truck is just gorgeous. They run, they red, drive. Red and black with a fuel tank on the back. Really is. And then we've got a 57 Bel Air. Original 57 Bel Air. Wow. And this is the original paint, everything again. Right, right. It's amazing how how pretty this car is for being as old as what it is. Had to have been garaged most of its life because the sun out here is just brutal. Right, and the interior is, is perfect. Or at least looks perfect. It does look perfect. Wow, it's pretty hard to find an original that's that's in that good of shape. And then as we come on around, you've got an old cooler that uh, you like it seven up. It likes you, <laughs> and it's one of the old coolers. Now they, they put water in those, correct? I don't think this one used the water though. Okay, so it was just a refrigerated right one. Okay, and then a Wurlitzer. Uh, jukebox with an A&W symbol in the bottom. So that must have been at the local A&W for the sock hops and stuff. We used to have an A&W here. Did you? We did. I... But you don't know if this if this came out of there. I, I, I doubt it. I think this one is a modern reproduction because it uses CDs. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't get to looking that close. Yeah. <laughs> Then you got some more pictures up here on the wall. You got a really nice looking Roadrunner. This thing's beautiful. What is it, 68? 70? It's a 70. 70. It belongs to a local guy. Dwight Howler's his name. Like I say, I remember him having this in high school. You know, remember him doing burnouts in it. <laughs> and then you said that it's just recently been restored. It's been several years now, but yeah, he sold this car, and then I guess he kept track of the VIN number on it and went looking for it and found it. Okay. The story I heard now, this is the story I heard, is that he found it in a, in a field over by Gallup, New Mexico. Okay. You know, I, I don't know how true that story is, but that's the story I heard. <laughs> and uh, he bought it, and of course, it's, it's, it's like a brand new car now. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's bright orange. Just a, a beautiful, beautiful then we've got a 56 uh, Mercury Montclair. This, again, it's, it's really sharp. This belongs to Russell's Truck Stop. Okay. They have a really nice car museum out there, too. It's like 40 miles from here. But this is, this is one of their cars they loaned to us. Okay, so the truck stop is uh, off of 40? Off of 40, on just right before you get into Texas. Okay. Very nice truck stop. Got some very nice cars in there. Wow. Last time I was in there, I was trying to talk him into letting us borrow a Corvette. 
He didn't let you? No. And then we've got David's 63 Ford Galaxy. It's a four-door. Now, did you restore this, or is this all pretty much original? That's pretty much original. Wow. It's amazing how good these cars look. My mom had a car just like that. I remember the three-barrel, I mean, a, a four-barrel 390. Oh, yeah, we have the smaller engine in this one. Yeah, that damn thing, <laughs> thing would run. Dual exhaust. Wow. And then a 53 Chevy pickup. It's, it's, it's for sale, too. So, somebody's looking for a Model A or a, or a 53 Chevy pickup. The Chevy pickup looks really nice, too. I guess you could call the Tucumcari Museum, the Route 66 Museum, and, and uh, be able to buy one. We well, we can put them in touch with whoever owns them. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So what else do we need to see here? Or talk about? Well, you have your little photo op over there in the corner. Oh, sitting at the old uh, uh, restaurant booth? or Well, we've also got the little cutout. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people utilize that. Do they really? They really do. I mean, I've been, I'm, I've been asked to take lots of photographs. <laughs> yeah, there's a picture of, uh, of a teenager, I guess, two teenagers, a uh, uh, car hop and a guy fixing his hair up like the Fonz. Well, he'd be called a greaser. A yes. greaser. Okay. Okay. I needed that. <laughs> so the greaser and the car hop standing there next to each other, and you can stick your head through the little oval hole in the in the picture and be able to take a photo off. And then they've got an old uh, dinette set, I guess, out of a cafe that has the old bench seats and, and the table that has a Formica top on it. And it's really kind of neat here with several books on Route 66. Maybe this is a good place to sit down and look at pictures. So anyway, well, I really appreciate you guys taking us on the tour today of Route 66. I appreciate you talking about Tucumcari. It's a place that I think I need to come back and spend a couple of days and look around. You guys also have a dinosaur museum here that we're not going to be able to see. Is there another museum here also? We've got two more museums. There's the, uh, the Historical Museum, which is really a nice museum. Okay. And then the railroad museum. And you've got a railroad museum. Do you have steam trains and that type of stuff here? Or? We don't have any here, but they... We, matter of fact, I was looking through one of the Facebook groups and old, and old uh, photographs. Right. And there was a steam engine with all these men out in front of it, you know, for a photo. And I'm looking at the picture and I'm reading the names, and one of the men was my dad. Oh, really? Yeah. It was from 1946, I believe. Uh-huh. I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I, I would, you guys are right off of Interstate 40. We came in from uh, the lake uh, that's kind of north of town here. Conscious. Conscious. Yeah, we stopped by there, a really nice little park uh, in, in kind of a cool uh, lake and really nice drive coming in that way. And I guess we're headed back out the other direction. We're on our way to Roswell. We're going to go see if we can find us an alien or two. But uh, I oh, saw... I have a story about Roswell. Well, tell me a story about Roswell. <laughs> <laughs> the, last, uh, when I, the last job I had, I, I drove a freight truck. Okay. And my Roswell was on my route. And I was there several times a week. And uh, 
I had this one delivery, which was an unusual delivery, one that we never, kind of we never do, was to deliver and put together. It was okay. a futon. And so I was putting together this futon, and the guy that I was doing it for was quite elderly. And I was talking to him, and I asked him, I said, uh, are you from Roswell? He said, yeah, I grew up here. And he said, I left, and he said, I was a fighter pilot during World War II in the Pacific. And he says, and I, after the war, I came back to Roswell. And uh, I said, well, were you here when that crash happened? And he says, oh, yeah. I was the editor of the newspaper when that happened. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what I thought. He was in his 90s when I met him. And I said, well, what do you think happened? And the first thing he tells me is he says, well, they don't shut down every damned highway and road out of town for a darn balloon. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he says, he says, the base commander was a friend of mine. We golfed together. And uh, he says, I was being a newspaper guy, I was always asking him what happened. He said, the guy never would talk about it. He says, I, you know, every time I saw him, I'd pester him about it. He said, so one night we were at the country club drinking. And I asked him again. He says, he, just, he said, the guy looked at him and said, all right, I'm going to tell you this, and this is all I'm going to tell you. He says, I saw something I've never seen before, and I hope I knew God I never see it again. Wow. That was my Roswell story. Well, <laughs> I guess we're, 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 we're going to go take a look at the Roswell UFO Museum, and uh, we may hear some other stories there, too. Now, if somebody wants to come see this museum, you guys are open usually... Well, our winter hours, except we're shut down now, are Thursday, Friday, and Saturday from 9 to 1. Okay. And who knows how long we're going to be shut down. We were closed, we closed in March. Yeah, so the, the way the museum makes its money is by donations and, uh, and also entry fees. So it's $3 a person unless you have a coupon. And, um, and then you can see the little old donation box over there near one of the displays. Uh, so yeah, the, the museum runs off of that, and every now and then we get uh, funding from the McMullen Foundation to help with restoring artifacts. Okay, and when I was coming in here, the museum was a little bit difficult to find. You're right behind the convention center. Yes. And so there's a big sign out front, really nice sign that says Route 66 Museum. And there's the convention center, but you've got to kind of go around the back side of the convention center, and that's where you'll find the museum. Google brought me here pretty, pretty easily, and so it's not terrible hard to find. you just got to kind of know where to look. And I think that it's well worth stopping in. Three bucks is ridiculously cheap to be able to come and, and look at any museum. Uh, and so I strongly encourage people to, to come take a look. And... As I always say at the end of my podcast, the world is full of wonder. People need to get out, explore, see things. And I hope everybody has an absolutely wonder-filled day. All the rolling go, where am I to go? Meet Johnny, where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go?